Hello, everybody, and welcome back to For the Girls. We're super excited about the Miami preview this week, and we have another special topic for you as well. But let us just start by saying that the U.S. is buzzing right now with excitement ahead of this Grand Prix in Miami. We have friends down there currently saying that the energy is palpable in a way people have never seen it before, and apparently the race is all anybody can talk about, whether they're fans or not. So today we're going to give you all the scoop around the Miami hype, what's going on in the city this week, some of the track characteristics, how we expect the teams to do, and then a fun little segment on the Constructors' Championship standings if it was decided based on team vibes. Um, Very Miami. (laughs) So as a quick note, we've loved hearing from all of you so far. Keep the messages coming. Follow us. And message us on Instagram at For the Girls and subscribe wherever you listen. I'm Tiggy. I'm Chessa. And I'm Sarah. So let's get into Miami. The hype is out of this world for this race. This is the first time since 1984 that we've had two U.S. races on the same season's calendar. And it's one of the most anticipated new sporting events in the United States in years. Zach Brown was saying he's never seen demand or buzz for a Grand Prix like this. And he compared it to the Super Bowl, which is wow. next level. Yeah. And he said too that McLaren has bought the most hospitality at the track and that they're even maxed out and have A-list celebrities coming and people like scrambling to get in, which is it. So it's, it's going to be crazy. Yeah. There's such a hype. Um, Christian Horner was heard at Imola last week saying that there is this insane hype and he's literally never known a race to have so much demand. And the cool thing is the track is so simple, but it'll be the trickiest. So there'll be a lot to look out for, for sure. And then for Red Bull, Checo did this insane Red Bull promo driving the car in New York City and in Miami, like through the city, which is really cool. But I will say a little bit misleading because Miami is not actually a street or city circuit. But anyways, all the teams are super excited. They're selling special merch and a bunch of the drivers even got to the U.S. early. Yeah, we have seen Lewis in, uh, he's posting pictures all over the place in New York City, which we love to see. He was doing some elevator selfies in Tribeca. It was also really nice to see. He was super nice to fans outside of Good Morning America. Um, Danny Ricardo's also here in New York City on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. There were some really cute videos of him talking to this very young fan too. So everyone's happy to be in the States, which is great. So exciting. And we love to see everyone in New York. So for context on the campus and the setup here. So this location is not on South Beach or on the coast in Miami. It's a little bit more inland. It's at the Hard Rock Stadium, which is an NFL stadium where the Miami Dolphins play. So essentially, this is an extra glamorized parking lot, kind of. They've emphasis on the extra. <laughs> yeah, they've they've redone it to the max. But what they were working with to start out with was an NFL stadium and a parking lot, and they've made it into a full scene. So there's a beach club with cabanas and pools at turn twelve. They're trucking in <laughs> sand to make a fake beach. One thing to add is this is thirty minutes away from the South Beach hotels where all the teams are staying. Um, And that's 30 minutes without the traffic, which is going to be next level this weekend. So that will be, could potentially be a bit of a disaster. They must be helicoptering to where they need to go. That's a good point. Yeah. They're on a schedule. They got to. 
There are not yeah. many ins and outs of South Beach. They don't have time for this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the best part of this campus is the fake water that they have trucked in by the boats. <laughs> it is. They didn't even try and disguise it to be real, to look real. They have just embraced the fakeness. People are getting into fights over it on Twitter. <laughs> it's the funniest thing I think I've ever I was seen. so confused because... When they first said there was going to be a marina, I know this doesn't make any sense now that I'm going to say it out loud, but I envisioned them almost building this giant pool, and I thought they were going to be putting the boats in real water. And then I realized that they have these yachts on little stands and then are building a surface around the boats that looks like water, and there is no water. So, Guys, I have no idea. I feel like they're trying to go with like a Monaco-type luxurious vibe, but it's really serving Atlantic City, dare I say. <laughs> no, okay, that's too harsh. I think it's just peak, peak Miami energy to the max. <laughs> I mean, Maybe. along the same vein of teams going all out, the Mercedes has a special NFT print on the back of it. Like, they did they buy an NFT for it? I guess this is like Art Basel, Miami. These are the vibes they're going for. Okay. Yeah, and fun fact, if you would – like to be on one of these boats in the fake water. It is apparently over $10,000 person. So. Oh, good. Enjoy the <laughs> fake water. <laughs> I am guessing, I mean, with the crypto theme at the Grand Prix this year and Art Basel was NFT themed um, back in December, I have a feeling we're going to see a lot of crypto bros, a lot of NFT people. Um, that's that's the vibe, I think. Tiggy, what was Art Basel like? like what, how do you think it's going to compare to this? So Art Basel is crazy and it's notorious in Miami for being one of the biggest events of the year. For those who don't know, it's sort of like this big arts showcase um, in Miami that happened. And I went this past year, but Art Basel was like 60,000 people, I think, for the entire week. And the Miami Grand Prix is expecting 300 to 400,000 tourists for the race. So oh my it, gosh. Is, it is multiples more. And I think it's going to be even crazier than Art Basel. Like like we were saying, the people we, our friends down in Miami, um, have just been saying they've never seen anything like it this week, just all the hype surrounding it. But I am worried because the traffic for Basel was out of control. So I can't even imagine what it's what it is trying to get in and out of South Beach this week. Yeah, the scene is, it's a big scene. So as everyone knows, Miami is like party capital of, of the States, I would say. Um, and so they brought in a ton of big DJs and all these artists. They have Tiesto, Maluma, the Chainsmokers, your usual squad, um, Calvin <laughs> Harris and David Guetta are playing at the Fountain Blue. Shout out, Sarah and I were there one time at New Year's. Um, and apparently tables at 11 are going up to 100K. So oh my God. big players only. <laughs> Big players only. <laughs> Imagine oh. just actively deciding to spend $100,000 at 11 of all places on planet Earth. Plus, the drivers aren't even going to be there. Like, who are you going to be partying with? I'm not, I'm not here. But there are some other cool things going on in South Beach. So Williams is having a party at the W, which is very trendy for Williams. Way to that go. That is so trending of them. Yeah. Very cool. So Red Bull are all at this really fancy hotel. And if you get a big enough suite there, you can have access to the private Red Bull stuff. I would pay for that. Oh, same. <laughs> I think Mercedes is having an event at the Ritz, which is also very their vibe. <laughs> yeah, Lewis definitely chose that. <laughs> um, and Carbone is having a dinner party on the beach with the act with Mario Carbone, and he's cooking. It's three three thousand dollars a plate or thirty thousand dollars a table. So, again, guys, a lot going on in Miami. Yeah, I think that state that sentence kind of just sums up the entire event. <laughs> 
Yeah, and we were having this conversation before um, because obviously we've been to – we're not going to the Miami race this weekend, right? We're going to be at the Kentucky Derby. But we have been to Coda in Austin, and we're just wondering, like, is it going to be able to hold its spot? I think Miami's getting very, very overblown. General admission tickets are $1,200. It's way less at the race in Austin. And I think this is kind of a reckoning. Like, is Formula One – pushing the upper limits and is it going to become inaccessible or like will Coda be able to maintain its place and kind of like be an equalizer for everyone to be able to enjoy the sport? Totally. I think they really have to find a balance with having these races that are going to be super over the top and super star studded and expensive and then finding races that everyday fans can both go to and enjoy going to and that are much more accessible to the general public because if they don't find that balance, they're going to start losing the really long time loyal fans who are what kept the sport going before it became this big, um, glamorous thing that it has become. Yeah. I would say we already have that parallel in Europe though. Like Monaco obviously is kind of unattainable and inaccessible for the average Mm -hmm. person. Um, but there are other races in Europe and elsewhere where I think that are a little bit more attainable. So maybe Coda will just be a little bit more accessible (laughs) for the masses. Whereas, um, Miami might be like the Monaco version of, of the States. That's a good point. point. And one thing to note also is that Miami has a 10 year deal. Um, whereas Coda only has a deal through 2026. And I think the Vegas deal is also up in 2026. So won't really be an issue for, for a few years. There's at least guaranteed three races in the U S for a few years, but maybe in a couple of years, it's going to end up being a bit of a showdown down the road. <laughs> So just to wrap up on this vibe check of Miami, we did a we did a poll on Instagram of is Miami too extra or just extra enough? And we got 57% just extra enough and not too extra. So the majority, <laughs> I guess, thinks it's it's a good vibe. So let's talk about this circuit then. So like we said, it's in the Hard Rock NFL parking lot of the stadium. The stadium kind of like sits in the middle of the circuit itself. And it seems like it's going to be a very promising race. The The circuit was designed specifically to provide good racing in the modern F1 car, which we discussed in detail on last week's episode. So it's cool. New tracks can be built this way. Obviously, historic tracks can't be. So we're going to have some interesting racer, races. A lot of the drivers have been you know, doing the track in the simulator and really enjoying it. Uh, Pierre said it looks really awesome. A lot of high-speed content. Um, and it's pretty challenging with some unusual corners. So this track will will be fun. Yeah, new tracks are always fun. It's more difficult for teams and drivers to know what to expect without so much driver experience at the track and data and team history like they have at the um, longstanding European tracks. Adrian Newey, the technical director at Red Bull, said it's even though they can run the simulator, obviously, it's really difficult to accurately get the tarmac and the curbs represented in the simulator. So there's always mm-hmm. kind of some element of surprise when they show up. And also fresh new tarmac like we're going to have here is unpredictable. It can have less grip. So there's definitely more unexpected factors at play, which I think will will make the weekend extra interesting. Yeah. So a little about the track. There are 19 corners and three straights. So a little over three miles of a track that runs counterclockwise, or as the Brits love to say, (laughs) (laughs) anti-clockwise. The average speed is expected to be about 138 miles per hour, but on the straights, they could get up to over 200 miles per hour, um, which will be very fun to see. 
There are also going to be some hairpin turns, some intense braking zones. So that will be challenging for the drivers. But as we were saying, these new tracks are kind of purpose built for good racing and giving those overtake opportunities. Um, so hopefully it'll provide some of those those ops around the corners. Fun fact, they tried this layout 36 different ways before they landed on this, oh which, wow. This, this is like truly engineered um, for racing. Um, it's technically model, modeled as a temporary circuit, which means it could work as a street circuit, but right now it does feel like one of those high-speed permanent racing facilities, like, like a legit track. So just a fun fact. One thing that I'm really excited for is kind of the last section from turns 11 to 16 in sector three is a series of really quick, twisty, and difficult turns that look really exciting. The track is mostly flat except for a small uphill on the chicane in that twisty sector. The track actually goes underneath a low bridge and a highway overpass, and so they need to make sure that they're adding all these twisty turns to slow the cars down a bit. This is a little bit weird. I don't know how it's going to work with cars on the actual highway above them, but we'll see. <laughs> I feel like they just should have closed the road. They were like, we'll erect barriers and screens so that drivers on the turnpike aren't distracted. <laughs> but I feel like maybe just get rid of the cars for like the few hours that they're going to be racing here. If I was an Uber driver, I would charge people double to drive up and down that <laughs> What's really crazy is the circuit designer, Charles Metcalf, said that as cars are approaching turn 14, that rapid change in elevation that we just talked about will lead in a completely blind apex. So that plus a few other technical factors has them hoping that that part of the track is going to be a quote unquote mistake generator to bunch the cars up and cause some action, which honestly kind of freaks me out. I hope it's not like yeah. big mistakes. But um, some drivers uh, did say that section looked difficult, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, and overall, the track looks very promising because it's a cool combo of really tight and difficult turns in that last sector, but also really long straights. Um, turn one looks really tight, but then as as we've said, the straights are super long and will have a really high top speed. So it's going to be interesting and challenging for car setups because they want a lower downforce setup to be able to go really fast on the streets, but they also need enough downforce to be able to get them through these difficult corners. And it's going to be interesting with the DRS play as well. There could be up to three DRS zones this weekend, and some are saying that the system will potentially be too powerful throughout the weekend, and that we'll see a lot of sort of unsatisfying flyby passes. Others are saying it might not be powerful enough, and we'll get stuck with that dreaded DRS train, um, which is formed we talked about this at Imola, but it's formed when a group of drivers get stuck behind one another, all using DRS and having a tough time passing each other. So fingers crossed that DRS works out well this weekend. Yeah, for, for DRS, we're going to see these high speed, long straights read porpoising. There's going to be porpoising. So Mercedes and Aston Martin better, better buckle up. It'll be a tough, tough for them. You know, we'll have to see how Ferrari does. But I think this track and these long straights really play to Red Bull's strengths, which is the high top speed without the porpoising. So it'll be it'll be a lot of just trying to see which teams brought the right setups. Yeah, so as I just said, teams will probably run lower downforce setups because of the high speed straights. Um, a lot of the times when they're switching to a lower downforce setup, they um, play around with the rear wing a bit to impact downforce. So definitely keep a watch out for that. So let's chat about some of the teams, upgrades they're bringing, how they're looking going into the weekend, all of that. So starting with Red Bull, they have been so fast, such strong speed in Imola. 
And this track has really fast straights, which I think will play to their advantage. Um, Max and Checo are both such veterans and they're so experienced that they'll probably be good at figuring out and adapting to a new track, maybe more so than more inexperienced drivers, but the car is still too heavy. So that's an ongoing issue. Yeah. So um, Tiggy, that you mentioned that. So the advisor for the team, Helmut Marco, never one to mince words, said the car has still has lost some weight, but it still needs a Weight Watchers club. So, <laughs> okay. Uh, hopefully we got a few LBs before the weekend. <laughs> and for context, when we say a car is overweight, the FIA has a minimum weight set for the car. And a lot of the teams now, the cars are a decent amount over that. And so you obviously don't want to be carrying extra weight that isn't required. So we're just trying to get as much as close to this minimum weight as they possibly can. So Ferrari, they are not doing a full upgrade package. They have been slow to bring upgrades to the car this season. I don't know if that's maybe foreshadowing how they haven't been great at in-season development in some past seasons, but I hope they kind of bring a bigger upgrade soon. They are going to go with the low downforce setup to try to catch Red Bull's speed. I think it's going to be a really big mental game here. Two DNFs for Carlos and also an error from Charles from pushing too hard in Imola when he was trying to overtake Checo. So there's going to be so much pressure on all of them. Plus the fact that it's just going to be such a scene overall. I'm sure that's stressful. Max is just so incredibly consistent. And so Charles really has to level up and get used to driving under the level of pressure that comes with being a championship contender. And Carlos, I can't even imagine kind of what he must be thinking going into this weekend, but just hopefully he can get the car across the finish line. <laughs> Thoughts and prayers for both of them. Speaking of which, Mercedes. <laughs> Speaking of which. <laughs> <laughs> they can't really figure out what their problem is. Um, Lewis said that they might have just gotten the concept totally wrong this season. Um, throwback to when they rolled up to preseason testing with no side pods where everyone else had them. And they were like, oh, my God, Mercedes has found the hidden gem. They're going to destroy everyone. But we're... <laughs> Mercedes is trying to bring an upgrade this this weekend that'll allow them to run their car with that, you know, lower to the ground with more downforce. They've been experimenting a lot, but this will have, you know, a worse effect on porpoising. Um, and speaking of experimenting, this Lewis versus George debate that's been going on, people say that George might be doing better because they're experimenting so much on Lewis's car. And I think what, what Mercedes is trying to do is they know they're on the back foot. They're making as many different changes as they can to the cars separately to get data on what does work. Um, also, people have said that maybe George is doing better since he's used to having to extract performance from a bad car, whereas Lewis is kind of just used to always racing in the best car. But I would say Lewis, has that, has, that hasn't always been where Lewis has come from, right? Like he has been in Mercedes for a while, but he had a really bad car at McLaren and he said it was worse than the one he's in now. So I don't know how much I believe that argument. Um, I, I, I think I'm more in the camp of like, they're probably experimenting a bit more with his car because it's not like Lewis has forgotten how to drive. Christian literally said that he's like, he's a seven time world champion. Obviously he hasn't forgotten how to drive in four races. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad Christian said that because Lewis has been kind of getting, people are being so fast to jump on like, oh, Lewis is over. He's his teammates already beating him when that's just really not the case so far. Like Tiggy said, he had a horrible car at McLaren in 2009 and managed to work his way through that. So as we've said, and time and time again, never count Lewis Hamilton out. 
Side note, when Christian made that comment about how Lewis was a seven-time world champion, he originally said eight-time world champion and then goes, oops, I forgot Nico Rosberg. (laughs) Oh, Christian. He also has previously criticized Toto as being this like finance guy and not really having had to build a team from the ground up. So Toto, will you rise to the occasion here? Let's see it. (laughs) So other teams, Williams, Obviously, we hope Albin can keep his momentum going. He was P10, and then he was P11 in the last two races. Latifi is struggling with his confidence, um, naturally, because he keeps crashing his car. Um, no, but <laughs> oh. I mean, in all fairness, it, it must be really hard that Albin is, uh, is just on a roll. So I hope, and we obviously hope, that they, they, they do well this weekend. I also really hope Alonso. Alonso really deserves a good finish. He's been doing great, but it just hasn't converted into points. He made a comment about how Alpine, you feel like really it's sad to see how few points they have given some of the strength they've shown. They brought an upgrade in email that they, did, that they didn't really get to actually try due to the problems during the race, but Esteban said it looks promising, so keep an eye on them. Yes, and Aston Martin, who also didn't have too bad of a weekend at Imola. Seb has had momentum from a really great drive there. He got P8 in Imola, but they really are having some big porpoising problems. So I hope that they can figure that out going into this weekend. Vettel said that he now really appreciates how much the midfield has to hustle, but he had sort of a funny quote where he said, but it's even harder because you don't get a cookie or any reward after the race. Like trying to make your dog dog jump without a cookie to please him afterwards is hard. <laughs> like, that's oh, the biggest a dad. You pure soul. Dad. That's the <laughs> biggest dad joke I've heard in forever. I know it's so <laughs> cute though. Alphatari, their team principal, said that they're two steps behind the rest of the midfield. They have a Red Bull power unit. Not sure how this is happening. So, I mean, I guess all we can do is wish wish them the best for this weekend. McLaren, on the other hand, they're on the upswing. I think we really sort of counted them out in the first couple of races, and a lot of people did, but it just goes to show how fast fortunes can change. It seems like maybe their issues stemmed from their break issues at Bahrain testing. Danny having COVID and getting off to a slow start, you know, as opposed to the car being fundamentally slow. So let's hope that they can keep it going and it's not just... Lando's luck at Imola. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point about kind of how the preseason has impacted them so far. And who have we not hit? In terms of Haas, we said this before, Mick really needs to perform. Um, this is in some ways his rookie season because last year he didn't have a legit benchmark to be going up against. And now he has K-Mag driving really well and just has not been on his level. So keep an eye on what happens with that. Alfa Romeo, Botas has one DNF, um, but besides that, he has three points finishes. So I think keep your eyes out for Botas. As always, we love him. He, he'll he have a good race this weekend. He's on a roll. He's one of my favorite stories of of the season so far. He's just been I – I think we were all afraid he would leave Mercedes and be in P18 every race, and he's just doing amazing. <laughs> he's such a good driver, and I feel like he always has been. He was just sort of in the shadow – at Mercedes. But also for Alfa Romeo, I hope that Joe does well this race too. I was looking at his helmet design and I think he's got one of the best helmet designs of anyone for Miami. Ooh, and as we know, out. it always follows best helmet equals podium. Yes, so. exactly. <laughs> on a side note, the W Series first race is here as well. That's on Saturday. Um, and Sky Sports just signed a multi-year deal to cover them, which is amazing. We love to see women in sports. We love to Yay. see women in motor racing. So huge for them. 
Incredible. So let's go into our hot take predictions for Miami. Sarah, what are yours? Okay, I guess this this isn't very hot of a take, but I think Max <laughs> is going to dominate. Um, I think that's a cold take. That's a cold yeah. take. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's a cold take. Um, I do think that though, compared to Charles, I think him being used to driving under really intense world championship pressure and how consistent he is will serve him really well at being on a new track where he has to be able to adapt really quickly to track conditions and figuring things out on the fly. I guess it's a little bit more of a hotter take. I think Ferrari is going to have at least one big unforced error. Mm. I think between Carlos and Charles, something is going to happen. I think a combination of the pressure and them maybe struggling with porpoising. I, I see it happening. Oh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for mine, I think Checo is going to outperform Max. Um, I'm Woo! guessing not a lot of people are going to take that bet with me, but I could see Checo just absolutely dominating in quality and doing super well. And I think he's such a strong driver and he's just been getting better and better. And I think his car and his driving style are going to be really well suited to the track. Um, so my money is on Checo doing really well this weekend. Love to see it. Um, Mine's also kind of a colder take. Um, Mine is that the Ferraris will drive a great race, but the downfall will be their car. And we'll see a Red Bull and a McLaren on podium. Mm -hmm. Not too spicy. Let's throw in one last last manifestation one, Alonzo in the points. And and Mick in the points. Okay. You know what we love about our Tacova's cowboy boots? You can wear them all year round and for literally any occasion. Of course, you can wear them at the rodeo or at the ranch, but since we're in New York City, we've been getting creative. I even wore mine with a polka dot dress and tights to Sarah's birthday party at a fun, trendy bar in New York City. Tacova's is Western to their core, and they believe in Western for all, handmaking their boots from the most premium leathers. And if you can't make it to a store, visit tacovas.com. that's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com, and point your toes west. And as a special bonus for you, Tacova's is throwing in a free trucker hat or ball cap worth $30 for all online orders over $100. Just use code F1 at checkout. Again, for a limited time, just enter code F1 at checkout to add a free logo hat to your order as a one-time gift from Tacova's. only at Tacovas.com. So two other big headlines this week. So first, Audi and Porsche are officially joining Formula One, according to the Volkswagen CEO, which is amazing. Um, I think we're all excited about that. There were some divided opinions on the board about this, but ultimately they believe that joining Formula One will bring in more money than it will cost. And the CEO is just like, you kind of run out of arguments against that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Classic. They are joining for the money and lots of marketing benefits. Porsche intends to establish a long-term partnership with Red Bull. And I think Audi plans to offer 500 million euros to McLaren as a means to enter. Still years out and lots of details to be hashed out, but exciting news nonetheless. And apparently Audi is also kind of sniffing at Aston Martin maybe, or maybe some other teams Mm -hmm. if McLaren isn't into it. So I think they're... They seem to be more of a wild card than Porsches. Yeah. Another big news this week is potentially will be six sprint races. So apparently all the teams and F1 have approved it. The FIA hasn't. Um, and it, apparently it was voted down by the FIA. Um, probably some dispute over money. And basically what they're saying is 
While supporting the principle of an increased number of sprint events, the FIA is still evaluating the impact of this proposal on its trackside operations and personnel. Last piece of news here, both race directors had COVID last week, but now the currently presiding race director tested negative, so he'll be ready to go. Sadly, Michael Masi did not get it. <laughs> R.I.P. <laughs> so now that we've given you a pretty in-depth preview of what to expect at Miami this weekend, we're going to give you another fun little segment this time doing the Constructors' Championship, but based on vibes of each team. So we're going to each go through our podiums, and then we'll debate it out. Tiggy. Okay, so mine in P1, I have Ferrari, which is probably no surprise to anyone. Okay, I also have Ferrari in P1. <laughs> Amazing. Yep. Me too, no surprise here. For me, <laughs> the my favorite thing about them is... And, and you guys may love them for different reasons. And I think we all know that they're very stylish and handsome and they have all those vibes going for them. But my favorite thing about them is they are just sort of heads down. And I feel like racing first always and not totally a part of all the drama that surrounds some of the other drivers. And they don't play into as much of like some of the surface level stuff, uh, which I like. So I feel like they're the ultimate cool, hardworking guys, in my opinion. I agree. This is like the Italian culture, the Italian vibes, like what's important, the racing, the car, less so the, the drama. The influencing. <laughs> <laughs> and it seems like everyone gets along, which was big for me in terms of vibe track. I don't want there to be weird pas- passive aggressiveness and people fighting. And so it seems like they genuinely all have really good working relationships. Um, plus some paddle tennis squash on the side. Um, the chess tournaments might be a little boring, but we can we can live with that, I think. We love men using their brains. <laughs> okay, so it sounds like we're all agreed on Ferrari as P1, but hopefully we have some differences in our others. So for me, P2, I have Alfa Romeo, which may be a hot take, but <laughs> Botas is my king. <laughs> that's a very hot take. <laughs> okay, let me just defend myself for two seconds. So <laughs> Botas... I feel like is really just my vibe. I would love to take a nice sauna with him and his girlfriend. There is this concept in Finland called Sisu, which is sort of this like mystical and magical concept that people say doesn't really have an English translation, but I will attempt. Um, It's like stoic determination and grit, basically. And I just feel like he embodies that. I also love Joe, who is super stylish first Chinese driver ever. So that's amazing. Um, he loves basketball, hip hop, fashion, all super vibey. So I feel like they got a lot, a lot of vibes going for them. Tiggy's going to Norway this summer. So that's true. You're kind of in the Botas, in the Botas lane right now. Scandinavia, here I come. I forgot to say a big part of why, of why Ferrari P1, we had such a blast in Greece last summer and they also, Charles and his girlfriend just lived it up in Mykonos especially Love at Malmos. We appreciate that. <laughs> Rip. Um, Tiggy, I think actually Alfa Romeo is a good P2, but I'm going to go with Haas for P2. Um, Ooh, yeah, solely based, It's not solely, but mostly based on the fact that Gunther is there, and I think he's so wholesome. He's so energetic, doesn't take himself too seriously, um, and kind of along the same vibes. Mick and K-Mag are pretty heads down, which I also like as well. That's awesome. I also feel like Haas has a ton going for them this season, maybe like slightly outside the vibe check theme, but they have more points this year than the last two seasons combined. They're the only American really? team. Oh my yeah. God. True underdog story. Yeah. So I, I like that pick, Jessa. That's a good one. Tiggy, what do you have for P3? Mercedes. 
Oh no. <laughs> I know. I know. But I have to say, I think I think I am the biggest Lewis stan of this group. Um, but I'm not ashamed of it. I really think he's peak vibes. I think he's unrivaled <laughs> he as a driver. <laughs> he's a model citizen. He's making the world a better place. He's got amazing style. He makes music. He surfs. Like, sign me up to hang out with Lewis literally any day. <laughs> I agree that Lewis brings all that. My concern is there were rumors that Toto and Lewis were seen fighting in the paddock, even though they denied it. Like, George and Lewis are getting along for now, but I think they'll start hating each other eventually. I don't know. I feel like that could get a little testy. Sarah, who did you have P2? I am McLaren for P2. I was a little mm-hmm. conflicted, but I, I went with McLaren. First off, I love Zach Brown. I think he he brings that classic American energy that we love, and he just loves the sport so much, has been so good about – getting F1, more exposure in America. I also think my debate about this was they might be a little too high energy, but I think Lando and Daniel do bring really fun, laid back vibes to the paddock that sometimes are a bit missing. So I had McLaren as my P3 um, for those reasons. Plus, Zach Brown and Danny have matching tattoos. So what's <laughs> That's amazing. That's really great. Yeah, I feel like McLaren's not as much my vibe. It's a little like too energetic for me. It's like puppy dog energy. It's too it's too frat bro energy for you. Tiggy, yeah. you're too cool. <laughs> I don't know about that's that. That's true. But... Tiggy, in our in our New York neighborhoods, you did put Lando and Murray Hill. So that's like I did to his cause. <laughs> Check out. Sorry, Lando. <laughs> Sarah, who who did you have P3? I had Red Bull for P3, obviously. Honestly, Sarah, I'm very surprised they were not P1, P2, and P3 for you. <laughs> Um, okay. I'm going to start as everyone knows, we love Checo on this podcast and he is such a nice family man, but at the same time met his wife at a club in Mexico city. So I think they can also bring the hype when they need to. And I also think Max is, Max is not underrated as, as a driver. I think Max's personality is underrated. And I think if you listen to his comments, he's actually stealthily hilarious and has this really dry funny sense of humor so it looks like we all hit our podiums honestly the vibes are right fam across everyone i think good energy good vibes it's going to be an amazing weekend in in miami we hope everyone else takes the time to think about their vibes for their teams and wishes them well for this amazing weekend it's going to be awesome we'll be back with a recap after the race (laughs) 